Welcome to the Evolution of Business show. I'm your host, as always, Dave Clare. And today, our guest is a primetime TV and podcast host themselves. They're a four-time best-selling author and global business celebrity. Yes, our guest is Jeffrey Hazlett of the C-Suite Network. Now, some of you may remember Jeffrey. He was one of the guest judges, actually, on NBC's Celebrity Apprentice with none other than himself, Mr. President Donald Trump. Jeffrey's going to take us on his journey through his C-suite levels, actually, in Snap and Kodak. He's got some fascinating insights to what was going on in Kodak back in the early 2000s. So sit back, relax, and listen to the, one of the most humble and amazing gentlemen you'll ever get to speak to, and someone we like to call one of Australia's favorite sons because he has spent a lot of time here in Australia, Jeff Hazlett. Welcome to the Evolution of Business podcast. Business is a series of evolutions. This podcast explores how to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people you choose to serve. It will look for the lessons and the failures of the past and share the success of those getting it right today. What is the next evolution of your business? Now, here's your host, Dave Clare. Welcome back to the Evolution of Business show. I'm your host, Dave Clare. And today we have none other than Jeffrey Hazlett, primetime TV and podcast host, keynote speaker, best-selling author and global business celebrity himself on the show with us. Uh, Jeff's a primetime television host of C-Suite uh, and executive perspectives on C-Suite TV and business podcast host of All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. He's a global business celebrity, speaker, best-selling author, and chairman and CEO of C-Suite Network, home of the world's most trusted network of C-Suite leaders. Now, Jeff is a well-traveled public speaker, former Fortune 100 CMO, and author of four best-selling books. Some of those are Think Bigger, Act Bigger, The Rewards of Being Relentless, Running the Gauntlet, The Mirror Test, and The Hero Factor, and How Great Leaders Transform Organizations and Create Winning Cultures, one of my favorite subjects. Uh, so Jeff is one of the most compelling figures in business today, and we're about to find out, and inductee into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. As a leading business ex expert, Jeff is frequently cited in Forbes, Success, Mashable, Marketing Week, and Chief Executive, among many others. Now, he also shares his executive insight and commentary on television networks like Bloomberg, MSNBC, Fox Business, and C-Suite TV. Jeff's a former Bloomberg contributing editor and primetime host and has appeared as a guest celebrity judge on NBC's Celebrity Apprentice with none other than President Donald Trump. I don't think he was president at the time. Um, but yeah, uh, he's also a turnaround architect of the highest order, a maverick marketer, and a C-suite executive who delivers scalable campaigns, embraces traditional modes of customer engagement, and possesses a remarkable cachet of mentorship, corporate governance, and brand building. It is an extreme pleasure to welcome none other than Jeffrey Hazlett to the Evolution of Business show. Jeff, welcome. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. It was very nice to be here with you today. Yeah, it's a, a privilege to have you on the show. I know a friend of mine, Chris Cumby, back in, uh, in the U.S., he's Canadian. Chris and I have known each other for many, many years in the U.S., and he's had you on his podcast, I meant to believe, and he raved about, you got to speak to this Jeffrey Hazlett guy. And so, you know, I didn't know much about you at the time here in Australia, but I'm so excited to bring you not only to our global audience, but a lot of the Australian audience who watch the Evolution of Business show and to share. Now, I believe you also have some connections down here, and you've actually been to Perth, West Australia. I've been to Perth uh, numerous times. I've been to Australia maybe 100 to 150 times over my career. I was chairman yeah. of, of 
Kodak in Australia. Wow. When, uh, when I was the chief marketing officer at Eastman Kodak. And so I used to go there. I've been on the ABC Nightline show numerous times where I got my rear end grilled, so to speak, uh, <laughs> on that TV show, uh, which was tough. And uh, yeah, yeah, and I and many years ago in the in the '90s, I actually bought a company in uh, in Carnegie, down in Carnegie, just outside of uh, Melbourne, and so I spent a lot of time there. Oh wow! So the, you're almost you're almost like a native son of Australia. See, and I said it right too. Most people would say Carnegie in the yeah. states; they'd say it's Carnegie, but Carnegie yeah. down in the, yeah, yeah, Carnegie. Yeah, yeah, I know I know all the terms. You know, I know every Australian, and I've blown it before, where I've gone to major speeches and and said things yeah. that I shouldn't have said, like fanny pack and other things that I've learned. Yeah. It's not a good thing to say. Okay, yeah. not a good thing to say. But yeah, nonetheless, uh, it's it's a pleasure to be with you. You know, and Australians, and quite frankly, Americans, uh, U.S. citizens. I think we have a, a very strong affinity where we both, uh, both, you know, kind of gave it to the Brits, which I think was a good thing. And, and, and we've, we kind of live on our own little Island away from everybody else and kind of live a life the way that we like to live. And yeah, I think no, that's it's pretty funny. Cool. So uh, America was founded on leaving England. Uh, Australia was founded on sending all the prisoners from England to Australia, which I think they didn't, they didn't think that through very well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, you, you know, you're, you're, you're Canadian as well. So Canadians, I, you know, they're just the nicest people in the world. Uh, without, you. you know, in the U.S., we always refer to Canadians kind of like America's hat, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I, I once I just saw a picture the other day that uh, had this Canadian said Canadians riding. And I went, my God, Canadians riding. What the heck's going on up there? Yeah. And it showed a picture of a woman holding up a sign all by herself going, we're really, 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 really upset. And that was it. And, so, so. <laughs> and there'll be someone, she'll turn the sign around afterwards and go, we're really, really, really sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a funny old world right now. Uh, Max, could you just share with us, I mean, they've also given us some insights to your Australian part of your life, but like, how did you get to be where you are? Like, could you just give us some insights on a bit of a, the 10 minute journey of Jeff Hazlick? Yeah. Is it possible to compress all that to where you are today in the 10 minutes and give us the highlights? Oh, I think so. You know, uh, by and large, I'm just a regular guy like most people and, you know, just happen to be in business and I've been real lucky in my career, but you make some of your luck. And yeah. I know we're going to talk about evolution a little yeah. bit. And a lot of my, my career and life has been evolving, still is. I reinvent myself every few years, you know. Yeah. I've, I've, I've bought and sold over 250 businesses in my career, well over uh, $25 billion in transactions, you know. The last company I was at, you know, we had uh, tens and tens and tens of thousands of employees, about 87, or excuse me, but yeah, about $87 billion. Uh, total revenue. And I, I managed about 17 billion of that just in marketing and advertising and sales expense. Wow. So uh, pretty extensive in terms of that had, you know, thousands and thousands of marketing employees. And of course, I've run small businesses too. You know, I've done everything from printing to uh, cell phone companies to uh, tech companies, training companies, you name it, I've been involved in it in some way. Printing was a big part of my career, printing graphic arts or communications, and I just kind of evolved with that. Um, you know, I, I, was, I started out my career in politics, working in the House and Senate um, staffs when I left college. That's what I got started with, working in wow. Washington, D.C., and then that just led me to, you know, wanting to be an entrepreneur and starting different businesses, a PR firm. That led me to own 
uh, direct marketing firm will led me to own a printing company, then led me to own, you know, many more wow. printing companies and then invested in everything, you know, like pheasant farming. I tried to invest in pheasants uh, many years ago. I tried to corner the market on pheasants till I realized there wasn't one, you know. And so, you know, a lot, I think pheasants are the most foul bird there is in the world because of the way in which I I lost so much money on those endeavors. And, you know, and so I've been, been in a number of different operations and, and, and businesses in my career where I've kind of learned. And now I've, I've developed, you know, and as I was the chief marketing officer of Eastman Kodak, I was on Celebrity Apprentice for an, a number of seasons, a number of shows. And then that led me to go and do my own show on Bloomberg, which became a primetime television show. Yeah. Uh, that primetime show became the number one business show worldwide. Um, we had the most people watching, the most gross revenue, most, you know, most uh, made the most money. Um, and while we were doing it, I also found that more people were watching me online, that were watching or listening just like they are to this podcast digitally than they were watching in live time or in regular television. And so I decided to go out and create C-Suite TV and as a result created the C-Suite Network, now C-Suite Radio, which you're part of, yeah. and you know C-Suite Book Club, C-Suite Academy, um, and all the different groups. Now we have 350,000 members worldwide. We have, um, you know, hundreds of meetings that we host. We have over 250 podcasts and growing uh, to shows, 70 TV shows, uh, hundreds and hundreds of book authors that are part of our, our uh, activity in terms of coaches and trainers and speakers with our C-suite network advisors. And so, and that's what I'm doing, you know, and, and we serve those, we serve like a giant sequoia tree, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys have sequoia trees or redwood trees down in yeah. Australia, but in the U.S., we have these trees that can grow up three, four hundred feet tall. And and when you walk into one of those forests where these trees are, there's this giant canopy. And underneath mm -hmm. that canopy is this lush ecosystem. And that's what we've developed with the C-Suite Network is this platform, this canopy of which there are communities and media and content and services. And our job isn't to make you the smartest person in the room. Our job is to make you the most strategic because I can't, I can't impart smarts on you. I can educate you. I can motivate you. I can inspire you. I can even help you with monetization yeah. and all those things are good. But the real role that we have in the C-suite network is to be able to make you the most strategic person in the room and put you together with a vetted trusted network of other executives. And, and from that good things happen. And it's all about what we call relevancy, reach and reciprocity, where we're all relevant because we all do similar things. We're at this high, you know, before we go on the ride um, in terms of size or the kinds of, you have to be a VP or higher to be in the network. And then it's really about our reach, my reach, your reach, how we use that together. And then what reciprocity we can, you know, get from that. Because if you're in, if you're in the C-suite, you understand that you have to engage. You, have, you understand yeah. that I do something for you somehow later somewhere you'll do something for me and that's really what that give and take of a network's all about this isn't a transactional network it's mm -hmm. a network where you come to give and if you give you get and that's really what we're trying to do yeah it's a, yeah, that's pretty awesome so you've actually touched on a couple of uh, my one of my number one core obsession which is relevance uh yep. you know the work that i do uh here in australia which is also now worldwide because the way the world swung around in my favor is uh, <laughs> Um, is you know how to help leaders to evolve themselves and their businesses to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people that they choose to serve. And, totally. Uh, you know, and I think really right now, like this, and this is why we 
we'll get into a little bit later about this growth versus evolution concept, but I, but I just love that relevant. And one of my life philosophies is I give to get. Now, but it may sound selfish, but it's more like, you know, um, we have, there's two ways I reckon to be happy in life. And one is I can get something from you, it makes me feel happy, or I can give something to you, it makes me feel happy. Right? So if I want to be in control of my happiness, I can't control what you give me, but I can always control what I give you. Oh, amen. Amen. And doesn't have to be, and I don't have to expect to get money back. That's it right. could be just That's a thank you. And That's it could right. be just being happier. It could be a better understanding of the world or understanding of, of what a gift means. I do the, yeah. I give all the time. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, my team will go, why are we doing this? Well, you're giving all your time away. Well, it's my time. It's my inventory. I can do yeah. what I want with it. And yeah. as a result, yeah. I can get something back from it. And sometimes it might be just a use. I'm using the time wisely, you know, and yeah. I'm, 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 you know, but typically the more I give, I've just found the more I get. And so I, I try to do my best to give as much as I possibly can. And also that's just a, a such a powerful philosophy uh, for life. Uh, I was, I was very fascinated. It was actually quite funny because you said the, the number 250 seems to be a big number for you. Uh, 250 billion, 250 companies, 250 podcasts, uh, there, I don't know, that just came out, it was just a random number that just kept showing up, so. Yeah, <laughs> you might want to that's, that. that's, good. that's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> um, this is the funny things that my, my brain picks up. I just need, I need 250 trillion would be good now, 250 yeah, trillion change trillion. The word, change the words yeah. after it, keep the 250s yeah. on, but just change all yeah. Oh, well they'd say like, you know, the only difference between having a, you know, a $10 million business and a $100 million business is one zero, right, so. It's a zero, um, I tell people, and you know, the only difference between Main Street and Wall Street, you know, here in the States or high street, you know, depending on where you're at is, is just, it's just the numbers of zeros. There's no difference between a small business and a large business. It's just the scale and the, the scope, the people, all the things that you do as a small business or you do as a big business, they're absolutely the same. The only difference is the number of people, the number of, of suppliers, the number of customers, the number of employees, the number in the bank account. Yeah, and it's the same philosophy, same same steps. Yeah, yeah, and it's really cool. The um, and, and what's going to if people can embrace that, it makes it easier if you choose to uh, want to scale your organization to those levels. That it, it it's not as daunting. I mean, also it comes with other responsibilities, and, and don't get me wrong. Um, one of the things I would like to really get your perspective on before we jump into some of the core questions here is um, having worked at Kodak East, and now a lot of business coaches, consultants, leadership speakers, we, you know, even myself have used Kodak as a as a wonderful um lesson uh in in life and in having worked with the organization what, what firstly what, when were you working for kodak eastman what what thought, what's 2006 the, through 2010. so you're in kind of like uh, the rebirth phase of uh, the rebirth of the next phase of the company after the digital after they kind of left the digital stuff behind yeah. um and they were trying to concentrate and then a group of us came in to try to turn it around. I left in 2010, of course, they went bankrupt in about 2016. Mm -hmm. um, but by, by then, by 2010, the writing was clearly on the wall. I mean, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was, you know, I saw it, at least I saw it, and as did most of the executive team and a lot of employees. But, you know, most people cited this as example for the wrong, wrong reasons. They said that, you know, they missed the digital era. Well, they didn't miss it. Yeah. They had it, they invented it. They, right. they invented the digital camera. Yeah. Um, they invented most of the cameras that are sitting in your phone right now. All that technology was Kodak technology. In, yeah. Any imaging that we see right now in, in Zoom or anywhere was invented primarily through patents at Kodak. Um, the problem was they just, they believed their own hubris of their success, to quote Jim Collins. Yeah. 
Mm. You know, one, one of the you know, declines of a company is when you start believing your own story all the time. Yeah. And so they yeah. truly believed they were a film company. Well, they were never a film company. While well, they made film, there's no doubt about it. You know, that, that roll of film had the highest profit margins of pretty much any product out there in the world at any given time. Mm. You know, we're talking about 90%. And yet, um, they were never a film company. They were emotional technology company. They, they would help to make, manage, and move images and information. Um, you know, the, they were a Kodak moment. And that's so right. therefore- so that's they, my point right there. Yeah, because yeah, if you look, so their catchphrase, whatever you want to call it, or what I, I believe is really that they didn't see was their true sense of purpose was about creating Kodak moments. It's creating, helping us create those moments. You can create all that technology, do all that sort of stuff. But in the end, from a consumer emotive point of view, all that helps me to create a wonderful Kodak moment. All right? Yeah, and you could do that in personal or business. And, they, yeah. and that's what we did. I mean, we were commercial printing. I mean, commercial imaging, all that stuff is still alive. It's worth yeah. billions of dollars. It's net billions of dollars a yeah. year. There's still film used in motion pictures. That's not going away, at least from a motion picture theaters. Now, the theaters might now go away based on COVID. But, you know, there's yeah. 150,000 motion picture theaters around the world, those aren't delivered digitally. They're still delivered by film because of the of the mechanism to deliver that content. So if those yeah. still survive, that business survives, and that's that's well over a, a few billion dollars uh, worldwide yeah. alone. Yeah. Yeah, but when you think about it, I always just say that to me, uh, if, if, if say Kodak had embraced, and everything's all wonderful in hindsight, but it's easy for us to judge at this time what was going on back then. And so I'm always yeah. empathetic to that. Well, I was in it, so I can judge a little bit of it. Yeah, so. you're, please, man, feel free to do so. So you, you, you're, you're speaking from right inside the circle. But on the outside, I sit there and I think, uh, okay, so if, if we really embrace this concept of creating Kodak moments or you know, creating moments for people, um, and we're doing all that through producing film, chemicals, doing all the bits and pieces that were all the hows and what's we did. Um, but if we actually, how many more moments could we create with a digital camera for people? Infinitesimal, you know, you could you couldn't measure it, right? right that's right. But, so would we? Have, yeah, but it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to. You know, one recognize that. But yeah. but let's let's talk about the structure that surrounds that. Oh no! no so yeah, if, if yes. you're if you're setting in Australia, in Sydney yeah. or Melbourne, yeah. where we had offices, or yeah. you're setting, say for instance, in Rochester, New York. Yeah. I my office was on the 17th floor, corner office. Only two of us shared the entire floor. Yeah. That was it. Two executives that you know, and our assistants. I mean, we had. I mean, at that level, right? Yeah. I would be able to look out and look north from where yeah. our office was, which was the very edge of our campus. Yep. and look north, and I could actually see to Toronto, okay? Yeah, well. So yeah. between uh, me and where the lake was, yeah. and as far as I could see either way, basically 14 miles yeah. we owned. We yeah. owned. Yeah. We owned it. Yeah. We had five fire st fire fi uh, fire stations. We had our own. We had our own electricity plant, a plant that yeah. could then, you know, that, that powered all of our – I mean – you had we had over 400 and some buildings wow just in our in in some of those buildings were a mile long yeah okay wow okay yeah. because well when you're rolling this film and you're making this stuff that's what yeah. you do yeah. pipes everywhere roads everywhere and now you need to transform the company yeah 
and and hundred and fifty thousand employees of one hundred ninety eight thousand four hundred thousand at its peak. Four hundred thousand yeah. people at its peak. Yeah. And yeah. and you now you tell me you got to change all that. Do you know how many captains of no yeah. work in that company? Do you That's know how many captains yeah. of no? Yeah. 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 It's almost, it's, it's damn near impossible. Okay. Yeah. It's damn near impossible. In fact, you know, at one time I even proposed that we change the name. We sell the name. We yeah. should sell the name. Yeah. If we sell the name, let somebody else have Kodak. We can get, I, we could have sold it for $2 billion at one point. Yeah. We can sell the name and then sell this little piece and licensing off and everything. We'll, we'll manufacture all the stuff that they want. We'll yeah. do it all. And then we'll take this piece of it and we'll go run this kind of company with yeah. a different name and I'll bet you we can do it better. And I couldn't convince everybody to do that. Yeah. Now I, yeah. I still think in hindsight that would have been the right thing to do because we could have reinvented that company. We could have reinvented the inside. They could have taken that piece of it and, and we all would have been a lot happier and it would still be more of a legacy today. Yeah. Crazy. And so thank you for sharing that insight. Cause I say it's, it's such an easily thrown around example, but, people don't understand or appreciate that the whole infrastructure and everything like that. And, um, you know, I, one of the sayings we used to have back in Canada, it was probably out of America anyway, which is, is it easier to create a Walmart or change a Sears? Yeah, that's right. No, you're right. Yeah. You're totally right. It's, it's hard to turn a ship. It's hard to yeah. turn one of those big, huge ships that, that have like a Sears that's in every single mall in every single, in, a, in every single empty mall in the United yeah. States. I mean, so it's hard to just say, okay, now we're going to be this tomorrow. You can't, you, you know, everyone used to say to me at Kodak, Jeff, make us cool again. Well, you can't be cool and look like Elmer Fudd. Okay. And Elmer Fudd being the cartoon character, you have to change the essence of who you are. You yeah. have to change the culture. You have to change the mood. You have to change your clothes. You have to change the carpet. You have to, you have to change the way you park. You have, it, it's, it's a massive undertaking and, and difficult to do. Yeah, and I think that's where, where that idea that you had made, could make more sense is that instead of actually trying to evolve your brand in that sense and shift the big, you know, the Queen Mary turns one degree at a time and so on is what if we create a whole new entity? Because I say, can you imagine Elmer Fudd with a, with big chains and gold rings and, you know, like it's just, you know, it's I'm not gonna work. Fudd, you know, I own a mansion and a yacht and I'm like, you know, it's just like, it's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm driving a car. Yeah. Maybe it's not going to buy it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So fascinating. So thanks for sharing that. And um, yeah, I, I just, uh, to me, it's just one of those really exciting topics. So let, let's roll into um, so you, you built the, the, the C-Suite radio, C-Suite network. Um, wh why did you end up focusing in the C-Suite? I mean, obviously you played in that area, so I will make it well, I, So I actually looked at creating what I was going to call the CEO network. And the night before we launched the CEO network, mm. we, I kept going back to, I, ran, I had a television show on Bloomberg called The C-Suite with Jeffrey Hazlett. It was so yeah. successful. And we said, look, do we want to give up that franchise? Do we want to give up this C-suite franchise? Nobody's doing anything with it. Nobody mm -hmm. had it. But everyone's trying to do this CEO group, this CEO group, this CEO group. And then, then we all were talking. There's three of us that were founders. And we were talking one night, that night, the night before we launched. We, I mean, we had the artwork in front of us. We had the domain. And, and finally, either myself or someone said, well, I wonder if C-suite network is even available. And mm -hmm. we go online and it's available. Yeah. And we're talking about five, this is like five years ago. And I went, holy crap, buy it. We bought yeah. it right there in the spot. We bought every version of it. Yeah. And of course, now we own hundreds and hundreds of names in that area. But 
uh, very few that we don't know, but own, but we pretty much own them all. And, and we just started to go for, and we, but here's the more important piece, Dave, is that when you look at an organization, it's not just the CEO, it's the CFO, the CMO, the mm -hmm. chief sales officer, the chief HR officers, it's the chief information officer, the chief technology officer. So, the, you know, it, they're responsible. So right away, if you're looking at just from a market perspective, why do we only just sell to one person yeah. and we can sell to them all? Yeah. And that's what, and that's what was the turning point of it. And, and saying, look, this is one, it's a great franchise. And two, we can serve a lot more people and we don't just have to be a CEO. Now CEOs are a big portion of our, of our group, you know, yeah. um, entrepreneurs, founders, that's a big part of our group without question, because they just, they act, they are, they're leaders, they buy, they, they spend money, they, they make decisions a lot yeah. faster than the other C level. Although the next level is the chief sales officers and, and chief marketing officers because they, they make last but not least is CFOs because they, they never buy anything. But uh, <laughs> they, they won't even buy an upgrade in the accounting software. <laughs> yeah, they're tough. They're tough. They're tough. Well, yeah. they got a pencil. They got a pencil. It works. Yeah. You know? yeah. They run, and there's also a whole bunch of new C suite roles uh, coming out into the world today, you know, like the chief happiness officer, the chief cultural officer, the chief, 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 yeah, chief mindful yeah. officer. We're seeing that now. Um, you know, I, I was the first one to name the chief, uh, chief blogger. And I also named the very first chief listing officer back when I was at Kodak because social media was starting to come up at that time, 2006, 2007, 2008. And so I, I created those positions and, and was the first one. It took a little heat sometimes because some people thought I was, you know, do, grabbing it for publicity. Well, okay, mm. stupid, dumb. Yeah, of course yeah. I was. Yes. Yeah. But more importantly, it was about saying, no, it's fundamental. You know, like the way we listen to our product, the way we develop products today is totally different than it was, you know, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we used to have uh, planning meetings and twice yeah. a year and then, we, you know, windows of, of, of opportunity or windows when you launch the product and so forth and so on. Well, now you get your feedback immediately, right on, you know, they text it to you, they mm -hmm. post it, they give it to you in social media. So I said, we should recognize this. And so we started, that's why I created the chief listing officer. And of course, oh. chief blogger, which everybody now has a chief blogger. We were the very first ones to do it. I think my wife would uh, be very happy if I took on the chief listener role at our, uh, at our home business. <laughs> yeah, we'll never, we'll never be good at it. We'll never, men will never be good at it. It's just, that's the nature of who we are. We can't, it, we, we, we tune out certain frequencies and those are always by our wives, unfortunately. And uh, we would do better at it, but we just suck. We suck. Men suck. Men, men are terrible. We're terrible. Hundred percent. Let's say I said I'm more of a. I hear you, but I'm maybe not listening. <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm not really interpreting the message. I'm hearing what you're saying, and I'm processing that. But you mean something totally different. And I don't even yeah. hear. I don't anyway, we hear. the whole podcast. I, yeah. Um, to our lovely ladies in our lives, we love you. Um, yeah. So or partners or partners. Yeah, whenever partners, you yeah. whenever you go, uh, we're yeah, we're, we're a free well. opportunity. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so let's talk about. You know, one of the things that obviously the, the work that I do and, and that I'm passionate about is about helping leaders to evolve themselves and their businesses to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people they choose to serve. And what I found here in Australia over the past little while, and I don't know if, what it was like in the States or anywhere else that you've seen in the world, is we've had this tremendous growth mindset. Uh, a lot of businesses like, we've got to grow our business, grow, grow, grow. Um, and I think there's a significant difference between growing your business and evolving your business. Now, I'm not saying one, you know, certainly growing business isn't a bad thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. But if I'm like, if evolution isn't the natural state of your business, uh, you're putting yourself at significant risk because we've seen many businesses grow into obscurity, um, 
into irrelevance or fade away into the sunset because they lost sight of why they do what they do. So could you share with us, Jeff, your take on growth versus evolution? Well, I think growth is something you, you create and, and, and then uh, evolving is something that happens to you over a period of time and that you typically will go somewhere. One's done, one's, one's done to you and one's done by you. All right. And, and growth has a number of those factor, but my, the core of, of what I've always taught is ch a change, adapt or die. Yep. Okay. And so you always have to be reinventing your business. You always have to be evolving. You always have to be changing. And as a result of that, you're going to get the growth. You know, mm -hmm. I can force growth no matter what can I go buy this business or this business, but eventually you will evolve the business one way or the other up or down, but you yep. want to evolve it in, in a positive state. I mean, Darwin's already proven that quite yeah, frankly, right. uh, numerous times. But so I'm a real believer in change, adapt or die. The second that you get something perfect, you should mutate it. You should change it. You should, you know, fix it in a different way to push it beyond what it is today. I mean, much like the way in which athletes, you, you, you know, when we were in high school or you know, maybe you guys call it university or wherever yeah. you're at, you know, and you used to do uh, physical education and, you know, you'd run and, you, and they said, run laps, you ran laps, you came and you collapsed on the ground. The coach would say, get up, do another one. And you thought you were going to die. Well, you didn't die. You just got yeah. better. You got, you know, and, and that's what it has to happen in a business today as well, is we have to, you know, evolve ourselves by pushing ourselves, by mutating ourselves. We have to change. We have to adapt or our business will die. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, and and, uh, and that's you know to me I say like either you evolve your business or you dissolve your business. It's you know, that totally pretty much your choice, right? Um, and you know, and, and you mentioned Darwin's work, so it's not the fastest, the smartest, the strongest, the biggest business species that survives. It's the those who are most able to adapt to their ever-changing environment because we are in a world of uncertainty. It's going to constantly change. We predictability is out the window. Um, you know, yeah, we're in. We're in the middle of that right now. I yeah. mean, we're sitting here at the heart of COVID right this minute, six months into it, going, oh, we're going to need to pivot. No, you don't need to pivot. You just need to change your models. You need to adapt yeah. your models. Yeah. You know, pivot. Pivot's a complete reversal. No, 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 no. Yeah. You don't throw out everything you've ever done before, no. okay? You yeah. add to, you finite, you, you change, you adapt it to what you need to do. Yeah. Uh, and that might recall, you know, this, I, look, I'm look, look, let's take on conferences. I moved them all online. I used yeah. to do hundreds of conferences where you went somewhere. Well, instead of going to Napa winery where we'd have a conference, yeah. we deliver the wine to you and you, you, you sit on the, we sit on a zoom call and we yeah. drink wine together and we have the conference. Boom. We can do it that way. And you didn't have to fly somewhere, by the way. I'm yeah. liking, I, I'm actually liking these models. I'm yeah. liking some of the things that are coming. And quite frankly, I've never been busier as a result of it. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's almost like it's been forced upon us. So, and so if we, I think I was talking to someone last night on a talk show radio I was on, and I was saying like in two or three years time, we might reflect back on this and think this was the greatest thing that ever happened for us in terms of, because it's forced a lot of people to, you know, I mean, the, with the great empathy, there's yeah. a lot of people suffering through this right now. But well, without question, I mean, and you guys are, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, look at the total number of cases you guys have had in Australia versus yeah. the United States. You guys have actually had more, you know, your population is, uh, well, South Dakota, where I'm at in the middle of South Dakota, uh, there are more people that we've been practicing social distancing since 1889 as a state. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. And there's more people in the stands at Indianapolis 500 the day of the race in our entire state, right? So yeah. there's only 700,000 people in our entire state. And, and you know, 
you we've had roughly the same number of cases as all of Australia. Yeah. Well, Florida had more cases in one week than we had in all of Australia. Yeah, totally. I know it's amazing. Yeah. 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 I think we've got like 22 active cases here in West Australia right now. Yeah. Well, you guys have done it right. You, you know, yeah. you stayed home, drank some schooners of beer, ate some lamb, ate some lamb, had some shrimps on the barbie, yeah. drank a few. Uh, and and most of you don't like that. And most of you didn't like that neighbor down the road anyway. So what yeah. difference does it make? Right? Yeah. Oh, so there you go. <laughs> uh, it's quite funny. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think, uh, and I appreciate your take on that. And to me right now is we should, you know, uh, challenge business owners, leaders to, make evolution the natural state, but you know, instead of having it forced upon us, understand that evolution needs to be a continual thing. So build a system process to continually evolve your business um, going forward where it's, because uh, the world's, you know what, there's no opportunity in predictability, but there's plenty of opportunity in uncertainty. Without question, without so, question. Yeah. So let's talk. And you should it. be ready for that. By the way, you should yeah. be ready for that. Yeah. You should, you know, you should, you know, it's like, I uh, speaking, I do 160 keynotes a year. I'm in, the, you mentioned I'm in the speaking yeah. hall of fame and I'm yeah. in five business hall of fames and, and which is awesome to be able to have, but speaking hall of fame do 160 plus keynotes a year. And I was part of a group the other day and someone said, I can't wait till we get back to normal and I can get on stage again. And I said, I can't wait till I never walk on a stage again mm. because I intend my mindset isn't to look back at what it used to be, but to look at what it's going to be. And yeah. understand that I'm still getting paid to, to give my information, my IP out to other people, yeah. and I get paid for it. Are you nuts? And I get to wear a pair of shorts, sit at home, not, not have to go anywhere, you know, and I'm yeah. done. I walk back into my living room. I get to see my wife. My grandchildren come over, and I'm not on a plane for 17 or 18 hours or going somewhere, yeah. you know, to the next place. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's that's not reflecting on the past. That's saying I'm going to embrace whatever the future is, and I'm going to make that mine. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it the best I possibly can, and I'm going to do it better than those guys. Because again, I want to be at the top of my game. So it's a again a mindset, and as you said earlier, it's about the evolution of what I'm going to be, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, I'm going to evolve. Yeah, and that's right. The, the key point being that is. If you don't evolve as a leader, then your organization or business and your team can't evolve because you're not creating capacity and space for them to do that. So let's talk about your, um, what, what, if you reflect back now and all through this whole life journey to where we are today, what was one of the most significant personal evolutions that you noticed where you've actually you know, evolved in terms of either your leadership or as a, even just as a human being, your most significant evolution in your own oh, life? First was marrying my wife. Okay, of 39 years. Let me tell you, I know me and I wouldn't be married to me. Okay, so okay. let's just be clear. So that the realization that I needed some, an opposite of me, yeah. and I do this in business as well, but in, in, in my personal life, who would bring me closer to those other things. I mean, look, I'm the kind of guy, I'll do, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a nice guy. I'm a loving guy. I love, I love to hug people, yeah. everything. But, you know, I can't even remember my nephew's names. Okay, I mean, I'm just bad. Okay. I just, uh, that's just, I'm not wired that way. You know, she, she'll say we should go watch uh, the, our, our niece's ball game. Oh, well that's, that sounds nice. Cause I didn't understand that. Uh, that sounds like something you should do, but that doesn't come into my head. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so that one side to understand that I needed someone who could balance me and the great, the great joy that I get out of, you know, 
one spiritually hey, like you're going to church okay and and two we're going to the family reunion three we're going to have friends over okay those kinds of things and four maybe you should meditate a little bit okay you should calm down right so it's the realization of the other things that i'm you know that i would just blow off because of who and how i'm wired at one number two was to realize that i live in south dakota and as good as I was at in South Dakota, in my town, in my yeah. state, and I was at the top of my game, that didn't mean jack squat anywhere else, okay? Yeah. And that what I could do in South Dakota, I could do in, well, let's use you. I, I, could, do, I could do in Perth. I yeah. could do it in Melbourne. I yeah. could go do it in, in, in Sydney. I could go do it in Adelaide. And not, where I was a king at what I was doing there, I could be a king nationwide. And then the realization, hey, what I am doing in, in South Dakota, I can do in Iowa, Georgia, New York, Minneapolis. I can yeah. do it anywhere. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, I can do it in Australia. I can yeah. do it in the U.K. I can do it in Tokyo. And it expanded my world in, in such a great way that I, I learned that I didn't have to just do it in Main Street in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That was, and I learned that, quite frankly, in my mid-30s. mid-30s. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And that took me to a, tra- a trajectory. To, and the next biggest one was to become the chief marketing officer of a Fortune 100 company. Right. I mean, when you right. think about a Fortune 100 company, there's only four or five officers in that company. That's yep. only 500 yep. people. There's more people playing professional uh, footy in, yep. in, in Australia, okay, yep. than there are Fortune 1000 officers. And when you start to re- for Fortune 100 or Fortune 1000, you start yeah. to realize that that's a very elite community and the power of that group and getting to know everybody and we all know each other, I mean, or know of each other. And once you're there, no, you know, as my CEO once told me, cause I was, you know, I was a fairly young guy when I stepped in that role and he goes, no one will ever take that away from you. You know, live it, understand it. He said, please, he taught me how to understand the power of that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, cause I would get in meetings and I'm, you know, I'm going around and this place is screwed up. Somebody should do something. And I realized it was me, you know? Yeah. And then, and then, you know, then I realized, well, geez, I came from this other company and well, well, who's going to tell me what to do? And I realized no one, it was me. And, right. and, you know, and so that was, that's, that taught me to grow up and grow up very quickly. And the only thing I would have added to any of that, Yep. You know, if you go yep. back and look at yourself and say, what would I change? What was the speed of which I did it? Um, you know, or the tenacity, you know, sometimes we wait around for permission. Yeah. And I learned, and I, and the more I've learned about the businesses, I didn't have to ask for permission, maybe forgiveness, but I never had to ask for permission. And, and, and that was, you know, I need to gain understanding. I didn't always need to get agreement with everybody but I needed to get an understanding. And I learned that very quickly in those positions. And that, that was the, probably the three things I'd, I'd probably add to that. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. It, uh, yeah, I see. So I gave I, you I, extra. I didn't, you asked for one. I gave you extra. That's just like a bonus right there. Yeah, it's a bonus. Yeah. That's right. well, I'm going to ask you for extra in a minute. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, no problem. Yeah, I'm that loud American. You all said, oh, my God, is he going to be like one of those really loud, obnoxious? Yes, yes, times 10. <laughs> Let's be clear, times 10. You put the quarter in. You get to go for the full ride, brother. Yeah, this is the ultimate uh, obnoxious American and the <laughs> very uh, appeasing Canadian just having a chat here. 
Yeah, no worries. Hey, let's get out the boat and have a donut. We'll be fine. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tim Hortons. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, I, don't, I normally have my Tim Hortons mug in here. Yeah, see. Uh, yeah, there you uh, go. So next question then. So personal evolution, thank you. Um, business evolution, what for you in the businesses that you've led or your own businesses, let's say, what was the biggest or most significant evolution in business that you've, you know, that you've created or participated in? Well, I, I mean, it, it's been all of those things because I did things differently, like the way in which we went after television, the way in which we changed digital marketing, the way in which we changed the marketing. You know, at, at Kodak, when I stepped in, 80% of the uh, of the spend was below the line, which 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 means 86% of every dollar went to cost, and only you know. Uh, 14% of that went above the line towards really marketing and advertising. And so yeah. when I got there, one of the biggest things I did was I said, I got to switch that around to where I made 70% be outbound and then only a small percentage to be toward what we would consider SGNA. And so that was a big, big switch. And, you know, I'm not a, I wasn't a financial guy. I had to get a lot of help with those kinds of things. So um, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest one in the business. And the other thing with that is, um, as I form coalitions, I'm, I'm an old politician, right? So yes. I go yes. and I create lots of coalitions to get other people behind it and helping me, which makes the job a lot easier. Yeah, that, and that's great. Uh, and I think that's, that's, I don't know, do you think that's a lost art these days, the ability to form I, coalitions? It's more difficult. Yeah, well, in the U.S. right now, we're having some real difficulties because everybody wants to convince everybody they're right. You know, mm -hmm. our job shouldn't be about convincing you or, you know, getting you to agree with me. It's, it's getting you to understand, you know. Yeah. And the more that we understand, the better we can get. So I think that's a big piece of it, you know, in terms of how we get that done. Um, yeah, so it, yeah, it is kind of a little bit of a lost art, you know, especially yeah. as we're more digital. Yeah. You know, as we're more digital, I think it's more A-B testing. It's a little bit more of this, you know, uh, you know, green, red, green, red, green, red, heat maps, and rather than trying to build, you know, build communities. Yeah. And, you know, to get back to your other question as well, I, I think the other thing I would say that, that I would consider a big push in the business side is I realize the power of building brands of you or us or me. And, and so I understood very clearly that when, if I made it about me at Kodak, when I, when you saw me, you saw Kodak, when you saw Kodak, you saw me. Yeah. So I, so Forbes, Forbes, you know, actually wrote a, a large article on me at one time and called me the celebrity CMO because I reinvented what business executives were, meaning making them more like a celebrity, more like business, you know, right. in the media. And so therefore I was on all the television shows and commentating and doing everything. And then the power of that brand, the power of you taking and telling your story. Well, you know, we, I helped to reinvent that to the point now, look, you've got people who are Instagram, you know, um, uh, influencers, Facebook influencers, LinkedIn influencers, you know, social media stars, but not, not as a false, there's lots of them who are false prophets, both yeah. prophets, you know, P-H-E-T and yeah. F-I-T. There's both of those. Yeah. Um, but the real, there are some real clear, classic, you know, very transparent, great leaders who are out there doing some good things and, and, they're, and they have a community. And if you, you have this community, because we're breaking down, Dave, as you know, yeah. in media. It used to be I could get something on TV and um, I'm famous, you're going to do business with. It doesn't work that way anymore. Now you got to go where the people are. And to do that, you got to build a community. You got to have that, those followers, that engaged group with you. And the more you do that, whether you're a brand 
or your a personal brand with yeah. that as well. You need that community. Yeah, no, and I think that's a powerful lesson for uh, for people to pick up on. Uh, that's uh, so critical. And this this concept of coalition, I think, like it's a lot of chat around here in Australia in business circles about like you know creating a coalition of the willing. Uh, I don't know if yeah. it's a fancier way to talk about collaboration or. You know, and, and collaboration is another word that sort of gets bandied around and people don't understand what collaboration really means. It's just a new fancy word for teamwork or working together, but it's totally different in my eyes anyway in terms of collaboration. Uh, Without question. Well, yes. collaboration means you give and take. We, I give something, you give something. Cooperation means we put it up, but we'll still have our own little, uh, yes. we'll have our own little pipes and we'll have our own little fiefdoms. Ivor Locke, who's in Australia, he's, a, a, he's one of our, very active members in our C-suite network. He has a show on C-suite radio as well. Yeah. And collaboration is a key word. And he helped me realize that the power of collaboration over uh, cooperation in a heartbeat. Yeah. And so yeah. the C-suite network is really about a collaborative network and collaborative professionals working together. Yeah, and I think, and to me, the, the differentiating factor from a cooperation versus collaboration or teamwork or working together, in collaboration, the true essence of collaboration is that logos and egos are off the table. Nobody cares oh, yeah. who gets the credit. We're all here for the greater good. Right. You know, when you yeah. and they'd say, I'm on and my that name, same, name and Yeah, well, we got our silos yeah. and you know, I want my yeah. logo as big as your logo. Yeah. And um and I, I we actually had a conversation this afternoon with our many of our councils. We have all these peer councils that make up the C suite network, many, many of them, yeah. leadership council, manufacturing council, coaches council, um, you know, women's leadership council. We uh, we have geographical councils that we have all kinds of different types of councils that we have cybersecurity council. I keep yeah. going on and on and on. Yeah. And, and we're all about how we do this collaborative model because as we all grow, we all yeah. grow. Yeah. And, and the faster that we all grow, we yeah. all grow. Yeah. And so, you know, and my big thing is how can I nurture them? How can I help them? How can I build them up yeah. and be this platform that keeps pushing them higher and higher and higher? Well, is that good for me? Uh, yeah, it's very yeah. good for me. Yeah, but it's also very good for everybody else. If we, and if we all just focused on lifting somebody else up, eventually someone's going to turn around because it'll go full circle and someone will be lifting you up. So we'll all rise together anyway. Well, you know, it's a great quote that, you know, when you get to the, when you get to the penthouse, mm. remember to send the elevator down for everybody else. That's right. Or else you might and, end up and, one day in the outhouse. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good, I like that line. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, a lot of people forget that. You didn't get to the penthouse. You didn't get to the top floor. No. You know, and I and I have a penthouse in New York City and I and I I I've been on the top floors of of major businesses with my offices and so forth. Yeah. I didn't get there by myself. I got there because there were other people who were with me. And don't you forget those people because yeah. those are the people that really make the difference. Yeah, and uh, I did a post on LinkedIn just the other day actually. It was like, you know, uh, I was reflecting on all the things that I accomplished recently in life and it's like like nothing of major accomplishment in my life was ever accomplished alone. Without question. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not that smart. Important. I'm not that, I'm not that smart. No. You know, I'm not, I'm not that bright. I yeah. might be that good. Look, I might be that good looking, but I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah. 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 the, uh, and for those who are only listening, I would suggest you go check out the, the this podcast on YouTube, and you can see how handsome this Jeffrey Hazlett is. He's yeah, that's like, right. This is what yeah this is what I this is what they call eye candy. Unfortunately, it's super chunky size. There you yeah. go. There go. <laughs> uh, mate, so talk to us about as we get close to the end here. Um, 
you know, one of the things I challenge people on is, you know, what's the, you know, business is a series of evolution. Where your organization was three years ago is probably not the same organization we have yeah. today. And where it's going to be in the next three years is not the same. So business is a series of evolution. So I challenge people, what's the next evolution of your business? And in that space, like you, you need to start thinking about what do you see in the next three years and what aren't you seeing in the next three years? So I always ask my guests to share, what do you see in the next three years that you're looking out for or preparing or planning for or that you might suggest other people should be mindful of uh, that's coming down in terms of future work, future leadership, humans and technology, you name it. I think we're going to become more uh, tighter in our communities and the way in which we operate in everything that we do. It's going to mean more to us to have the right kinds of people rather than lots of people around us. And, and that's in a network. And I think that's going to hold true for our vendors, for our customers, and that quality of life will mean more than uh, it is today. And I think COVID's a good example of that. We're not going to snap back, okay? We yeah. found that we enjoy being home. We found that we enjoy being with our families. We found out we enjoy, you know, when we can get together with our families. We enjoy a nice cooked meal. We enjoy the things that maybe might exist in the 50s and 60s, quite frankly, before we had this evolution of, oh, we got to go and work our asses off until yeah. we drop kind of thing. And so I think that's going to change us a great deal on how we do things and the way in which I think it's going to make us a little nicer. Okay. I think it's going to make us more tolerant. It's certainly yeah. going to bring the world closer in together. I also think it's going to change the way we do supply lines and uh, yeah. way we manufacture products. I don't think we're going to see the mass uh, manufacturing that we've had in the past. I think we'll bring that back. You know, if you look at the United States alone, 92% or 96% of all of our pharmaceuticals is made in other countries. Uh-uh, no way, not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, that we need to bring that back. You know, 34% of our GNP is being produced in one other country. No, not going to happen. You know, and, and this showed us how vulnerable we are as a society. And I'm sure that Australia has seen that, New Zealand seen that, yep. England seen that. There are so many countries have seen this. We've got to bring more farm to the table, more local production. It yep. will drive yep. costs up. Yeah, but life will be better and safer. And, and there'll be a lot of things that will, will drive that. And I think, um, I, I, you know, I think we'll see less GMO products. We'll see you know, uh, just a, a leveling out of saying, nope, we're not going to live like this anymore. We're not going to operate businesses like this. And we're going to operate businesses the way they were intended. Why? Because we can. And yeah. that'll be the key, yeah. key factor is because we can. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. That's, that's a, it's a great view of the world. And like here, um, even with Australia, like with our borders, our hard border to the rest of the country is shut down right now. We can move freely within the state, um, obviously because we're doing well uh, in that sense. But, well, there's nowhere else to go right outside of Perth. I mean, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like South Dakota. Yeah. I mean, when you're in Western Australia, it's a lot like South Dakota, except you're a little bit bigger, but yeah. in terms of size mass, but it's, yeah, I mean, there's, we got, again, I have more cows outside than I have people. Yeah. Right? That's just like uh, living in the most isolated city in the world has finally paid off. It's fantastic. But we have the ability here in WA to, uh, you know, um, have a circular economy of our own, like, a, you know, about this, you know, local and tighter communities. Uh, and we have all the natural resources from minerals, uh, from mining and everything that through to agriculture, um, seafood, you name it, some of the best seafood in the world. Uh, yep. Everything we can, and we support each other. It may cost a little more at the start, but what's it cost us already for 
where we're at. Everyone's losing their jobs, businesses shutting down. You know, we're spending money on stuff to impress people we don't even care about, getting into debt for that. You know, the cost to us as humanity and society right now has been dramatic. Um, so I, I'm thinking about Perth. I'm, I'm smiling because I'm thinking about, I just remembered, you guys have the best ice cream in the world. I can't remember the brand. I, it was so good. And then they had, I, I was there one day and I, I flew to Perth for the day and flew back to Sydney one day. And I remember I had clotted cream when I got to Perth. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing in the world. And so I remember those two things from Perth as, as being yeah, a, great, a great seafood dinner too. I had a great seafood dinner. Yeah, no, yeah, we do uh, some pretty good seafood here. Um, all right, so thank you so much. I have one last question for you. Now, what I've been doing with every guest is I have 31 random questions, one to 31, okay. you don't get to read them. You just get to pick a number between one to 31, Jeff, but you have to answer the question. That's okay, no deep. problem. Okay, so right. pick a number between one and 31, and let's get into it. Uh, 11. 11. Because I, I was born on 11-11. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. It's a good day to remember. The, um, okay. Okay, well, this is interesting. So if you were born on 11-11, so you picked question 11. How would your parents uh, describe what you do? <laughs> uh, you know what they would say? Well, both of my parents are, are past, but they would both say, I don't know, really know what he does, but he makes a lot of money at it, and he seems to be really happy and really good at it. That's what they would have said. My dad awesome. was in the military. My dad was in the military, served numerous tours over, or, overseas, and my mother was a bookkeeper who became a real estate agent, and I have mixed between both of them. And, um, but, yeah, that's cool. The other, the, uh, and the other thing I would tell you they would say, and I, I appreciate, appreciate you giving me the chance to even reflect on, they would say, and I'm really proud of them. That would be, that'd be, awesome. that'd be the other, yeah. Now you're going to make me cry. Now you're going to make me cry, Dave. What the heck's the deal with that, man? How do you take a big, obnoxious American and you reduce him to tears? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you yeah. ask him about his parents, yeah. Yeah, maybe, but, but thank you for sharing that. You know, and then yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry to hear that your parents have passed, but it, yeah. it's, it's, um, but to, to, to know that you know that that's what they would say about you, I think that's the, the important part. But yeah. That you know, they know how you know how they would feel about the work that you're doing in the world today, and I think. Oh yeah, they were the parents were always proud. I didn't. I, I moved out when I was a very young age, but um, and away from my parents when I was very young before it, before I was 18, and so I've always been on my own for a long, long time. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I got closer to them as I got as, as I was older. Yeah. And um, and I made sure that my children got to know their grandparents really well. But yeah, but they would say that. That's what they would. Say. I wonder what your children would say about what dad does. Uh, well, they both have worked in the business. Okay. So they know in my, in my, yeah, they they know it very well. They they've been fired by me uh, numerous times, and they fired me many times. And <laughs> just like just like any family business, they've been involved. Yeah. And so I'm very proud of my children and and the businesses they're now running. Uh, my son is still in the business. My daughter is now running her own thing, mm. starting her own company, which is not wow. surprising. And she she's she acts like me, but she looks like her mother. My son looks more like me, but acts like his mother. So it's it just, it's awesome. So <laughs> That's exactly we get the best yeah. of everything. Yeah. Yeah. My two biological children, I have a non-biological -bi son. Um, he, uh, the two biological, the biological son looks like me, but thinks like his, uh, his mother. And my uh, daughter look, looks like exactly almost a spitting image of her mother, but thinks and acts like me. It's a, it's funny yeah. how that all pans out. Eh? Uh, I'm glad she doesn't look like me. That's the good part. Mate, uh, thank you so much. 
Jeffrey, for sharing uh, your time with us today. Thank you. I know, um, you know, considering the, the work that you do in the world, for you to take out 45 minutes to share with us, really, truly appreciate it. Hopefully when all these things that the world has um, got into a space where we can maybe possibly travel again, we would love to see you back down here in Australia. Um, or definitely Any Anytime you invite me to come down, I will be down there in a heartbeat. Yeah, well, we'll throw a shrimp on the barbie for you. The, uh, I love it. That was a bad Australian accent from a Canadian talking to an American. So we'll end right there. Um, if people want to contact you, I know it's here on the on the video, but if you want to just say it out loud, if, the, if people want to get yeah, that. Jeff, right. it's, yeah, Jeff at c-suite c-suite, S-U-I-T-E, network.com. So, right. And you yeah, can find me, Hazlet, on any social media or look up C-suite, you can find us. Yeah, and if anyone out there has a podcast and is interested to find out more, they can go and uh, just Google C-suite network and see all the great work uh, and the, the collaboration and coalition that, uh, of your community that's going on there, which I was the privilege to uh, find out about and, and join as well. So thank you for that. Mate, um, thank you. other than that, uh, we'll bid you adieu and let you get back to your uh, family here in, uh, in South Dakota. Uh, thank you so much again for being on the show, Jeff. My pleasure. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.